Well, hi, this is pastor and comedian Gordon Douglas welcoming you to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. Where we're going to have some fun sharing some stories of inspiration, learn some of the truths of what I learn as I get to speak at pregnancy centers around the world, and some little insights into what it's like at our home with all of our kids. Now, you know, because of COVID, the government said you can't have more than 10 or more, so we, we had to ask six of our kids to leave. So that's... <laughs> We have a house full and we love to, to share what God is doing in our home and our ministry to go out and encourage the pregnancy center. So stay tuned for some great information. So Gordon, I'm excited to have you on the Pro-Life Team podcast. Um, as well, as I understand, you know, you're, you're essentially your involvement in the pro-life movement has been over a long period of time. Can you share with those who may not know you as of yet, sort of like a little bit about your your background and your story for in the in the pro-life world? Um, as if you were talking to a couple of pregnancy clinic directors. Oh, from just the pregnancy center world, because now that that that's a, a small snippet of, of my years on the earth, but it is a, a good one. I was a youth pastor in most of the 80s and 90s, 19 years as a youth pastor. And our little church, Stony Bank Community Church, started in 1811. We had a Sunday night service. And that one night we had a special guest speaker who showed a movie called Silent Scream. And you're probably too young to remember it. But it was cutting edge technology at the time showing a baby fighting off the instruments of of abortion. And uh, the movie kind of ends with the baby's mouth open and a silent scream uh, as they were about to take its life. It was so powerful. Uh, and uh, I just sat there in tears, and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And as a youth pastor, I got to hear this young girl talk about her vision to start a pregnancy center. Didn't even know what that was. And uh, to help girls. And then I became very aware as a youth pastor, uh, how often I was going to need the services of a group like that to help girls who thought they were pregnant, girls who were going through some difficult times, so sadly, issues of abuse. Um, and uh, I, I tell people all the time, when somebody's there for you in your greatest need, you have a friend for life. And uh, I would get very tearful if I got into the whole story, but uh, one of those people was my 14-year-old daughter, whose best friend uh, had a very unfortunate experience with a boy that should have known better and done stuff that he never did and it, it was three years of just struggle of counsel and working through everything but the pregnancy center was there with us every step of the way so i i immediately was involved uh, i took my youth group on protest we walked and marched outside of pregnancy centers i became the pastoral advisor to the board of our center right outside philadelphia the delaware county pregnancy center and uh, until this year, I think 32 straight years, I was that pastoral advisor. I just got informed that uh, I'm being relieved of my duties. We have long-term limits <laughs> at our center, but I'm still very much involved. Um, so that's just a, a, a quick overview of how I got into the pro-life work and, and then the, the whole idea of speaking at banquets uh, is a whole different ballgame if you want me to go there. Yeah, please. Yeah, talk about what you do um, today when it comes to speaking and sort of you know what that's like. Sure. Oh, I absolutely love my job. Uh, you know, right out of trade school, I didn't go to college then. I, I uh, became 
interested in the area of comedy. That's a long story, but God brought a, a woman who had incredible experience on TV all the time, worked with Frank Sinatra for years. She took me under her wing and started training me to do stand-up comedy. Back before there were clubs, back before it was there, there were only three stations on TV. There was no cable. There was no Comedy Central. And uh, I had some great success early on, ended up in Hollywood, got on a couple big TV shows. One that I always mention is Carol Burnett, although I only ask a question at the beginning when she turned the audience. I was there in the audience and I got to spend the day with the uh, with the whole crew after that. And it was just wonderful. But then God got a hold of my life. I ended up becoming a pastor 20 years later. Uh, someone asked me to do a comedy show, and I did, and they taped it, and they sent it to some guy named James Dobson who put it on a radio, and I'm speaking out of Colorado Springs at a family conference. And uh, I went from this little church of 20, 30 people where I was pastoring uh, to speaking at Focus on the Family, who said, hey, next week we're doing a a, a, a uh, a weekend conference for PK, not pastor's kids, but pastor's kids. And uh, they said, we got a young comedian named Shonda Pierce that we're working with. You two would be fun together. So I ended up flying to Tennessee, doing a show with Shonda Pierce. And uh, she introduced me to a guy named Dennis Swanberg, who is a wonderful uh, pastor and does impressions and has his own TV show out of Texas. And he said, I know this guy named Mike Williams. He's trying to get Christian comedians together. I didn't even know there were others. And uh, I got to meet Mike Williams, and he is just phenomenal. He's been the number one fundraiser for pregnancy centers, I believe, 10 years in a row. And uh, I sent him my little cassette back in 1994, and he wrote me back, hey, this is some of the funniest stuff I've ever heard. Why, why have I never heard of you? I said, well, I, I kind of gave up on comedy to become a pastor. He said, oh, you've got to do this. this. People need to hear your story. And uh, he said, by the way, I'm I'm going to be in Pittsburgh next week, or Gettysburg, Gettysburg. He said, how far are you from Gettysburg? And I said, well, it's about three hours. So he said, well, be there. I'm doing a show for a pregnancy center. And uh, I, I've learned quickly, you don't say no to Mike, but I was also interested. So I thought, well, maybe God is resurrecting a dream. So I drove the three hours up there. And as soon as I got there, he straightened my jacket and said, all right, good. You're doing 10 minutes tonight. I said, what? He said, Lesson number one, you showed up. Number two, always be ready to do 10 minutes, no matter where you are. And I did a few minutes, uh, and, and then I watched him do incredible comedy, share his powerful testimony, and then ask people for money to support a pregnancy center. And afterwards, as comedians do, we went to a diner, talked about what worked and what didn't work, and he said, why are you doing this? I was like, doing what? He said, speaking at banquets, you're a pastor? You work at the pregnancy center and you've got great comedy. Why don't you do this? So he called his agent up and said, hey, we yeah, we have this guy here. Get, is there anybody that needs a booking? And they said, well, there's three or four small events if people don't have a budget. But uh, he said, well, give Gordon a chance. And I did these basically freebies just to see what I could do. And, and, and God blessed them. And uh, something like 74% of the people I speak at Something like 74 is kind of a specific number, isn't it? <laughs> but I keep rap. 74% set a record or or have the biggest night they've ever had in terms of fundraising. And uh, only one person that I know is higher than that, and that's my buddy Mike Williams, who teaches me. So, uh, so since then, I've been doing pregnancy centers, and it got so big 
Uh, I do more than just pregnancy centers. I do what's called hilarity for charity. I raise money for any good cause, whether it's fighting cancer, uh, getting an electric wheelchair for a, a couple that has a child with special needs, buying a handicapped van. We've helped a couple uh, raise money to adopt a child. Uh, we just did one for a Ronald McDonald. I say we, it's me, my family is part of our ministry. Uh, raise money for a Ronald McDonald house. Uh, I, I used to call it comedy for a cause, but I like hilarity for charity better. It's got a little more ring to it. So as that's what I do uh, as an income, what, what, what I do to feed my family, which is huge, as you well know. And, uh, but I also still pastor, and I speak and preach at churches almost every Sunday as God allows me to travel the country. And uh, when I'm not doing fundraisers, because that's a pretty small window, usually six weeks in the spring, six weeks in the fall, uh, I do pastor's events, I do youth events, I do couples events. My wife and I were recently named Parents of the Year for the state of Pennsylvania uh, because of all of our wow. kids. And that, that has opened up a lot of doors to speak uh, at parenting groups. So that's a big overview. But I, I do about 120 programs yeah. a year, and I absolutely love it. Absolutely wow. love it. I got home yesterday. I leave tomorrow for uh, Illinois, and then I'm going up to Minnesota for the sixth time in uh, six weeks. And then I'm heading down Florida. So. I usually do two, three programs a week, and uh, now my kids are older now, so I'm able to travel. God's perfect timing just still blows me away. Why didn't this happen 20, 30 years ago? And it's like, well, now I see his wisdom. Yeah, you're probably uh, you're probably you probably had elementary kids 20 years ago, or, or, or how how young is your youngest child today? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah many uh, listeners may not know. Uh, but yeah, we have uh, parented 24 children, and uh, that that started after we were told we could not have kids. Physically impossible. There's no way it could happen. So uh, the long story short, without all the jokes, I can do the jokes, but they're also on my YouTube channel and my recent appearance on the Huckabee Show. But we took in three boys off the streets of South Philadelphia. Terrible stories of neglect and abuse and addiction, and uh, we basically got legal custody. Uh, through a variety of means. And uh, then my father-in-law moved in after a stroke, and my brother-in-law, who has Down syndrome, they moved in with us, and we had five. And then a local prison called, and we they asked if we could watch prisoners, so we took in two prisoners. So we had seven. And then when the three boys left, we took in three more. And then there was a missionary. And during this 10 years, as our family grew and grew and grew, God showed he had a sense of humor and blessed us with five miracle birth children. So, so my website, I believe, says we have 19 kids, but uh, that's a few years old. We have this guy, uh, Die Rapture, who's making us a new website. We got to update some numbers. True or not? So, so that's the backdrop. But uh, my youngest, she's been with us for six years. I'll get tearful. Another daddy's little girl, uh, but she just turned 19, and she is a sophomore in college. So, yeah. The, the last 10 years where I really started traveling across the nation, all of my kids were in high school or, or, or beyond. I, I came in one day, walked into the house with my suitcase, and my kids were like, where were you? It's like, I was in Texas. Like, how long? <laughs> they didn't even know. They hadn't looked up from their machine long enough to know I was gone for 48 hours. <laughs> so. Wow. That, that That's an amazing story of how, yeah, so essentially you, you felt, yeah, essentially you and your wife were, faced with not having children and so you you ended up adopting and then you find yeah 
can you just share that again? Like that just seems like I'm not sure what the word is. Is it miraculous? Is it amazing? It it's it's definitely very intriguing. Hopefully, it's inspirational. And, and uh, I, I get it. But uh, it, yeah, it, yeah, again, it wasn't. People say, "Oh, I hear that a lot," where someone adopts a child because they've tried everything and it didn't work, and then they end up having a child. It's actually very rare. You hear about it because it's rare. But in our case, it happened simultaneously. We were taking in kids and found out my wife was having a baby, and you can't stop. And then once the court system found out that there's this pastor that's willing willing to help kids that are in trouble, uh, they kept sending kids our way, and God kept sending babies. So it just happened simultaneously. Uh, I was asked on an interview recently with a Christian comedian, Nazareth, out of L.A. He has a, a great podcast. And he said, did your birth kids resent the boys off the street? Because they were all boys. You can't mix trouble boys with trouble girls. And I said, well, I have to ask them. So the last uh, family dinner, they said, really, we never knew the difference. There was always somebody in the house. They said, what we noticed is that you treated, you were much stricter with us, the birth kids, than you were with the boys off the street. And and it was true because they needed healing. They needed comfort. They needed uh, uh, some space. And my kids, I didn't want them to end up like the boys on the street. So I was doubly protective, maybe overly so, but you learn. Uh, my kids always threaten they're going to tell people what I do, so I'll lose my parent of the year title. <laughs> yeah, it, I, when I do my program, I'm very uh, transparent that we are not perfect parents, nor are we the best parents. We represent parents. We are a family of broken, blended people. And any problem that any family has out there, we are facing it. And people automatically assume it's the kids we took off the street. But no, uh, my birth kids have had struggles too. And uh, that always surprises people. We have these wrong assumptions that uh, that people ask me after almost every show, hey, can I live at your house? It must be fun. Uh, It's, yeah, we we have fun. I have a sense of humor, uh, but I am a strict dad. Uh, And uh, these boys who have battled addiction, they need very clear boundaries and very clear consequences. And sadly, there's three or four that aren't talking to me right now because they had to leave. And uh, you you can't bring drugs here. You can't do certain things. You can't. And uh, I I just can't risk my family or my neighbors with uh, some of the activity. And uh, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. But uh, again, God God makes some pretty clear boundaries. I'm very, very much about grace. But anyway, that's maybe a little bit more to get into the parenting talk. But wow. Yeah. But I, I share a lot of that at banquets because so much of what pregnancy centers do is training young parents, everything from how to nurse a baby to, you know, the, the steps of development, which is still just mind boggling. What happens in the womb is such a miracle. But what happens those first two years uh, of the personality of the first word and the first step? But that doesn't stop. I mean, my wife was upstairs now calling my, my youngest birth child who had a birthday yesterday. And uh, we, we sent a message, but she was away. And, you know, we're still parenting. You know, it, she's 28 or or 29 or 30. She's one of those. <laughs> it changes every year. I can't tell. <laughs> wow. So with this, with your, um, you know, wor- this pro-life work, can you think of a story where you've seen God's fingerprints or you've seen God answer prayer? I mean, it, I feel like you've already touched on several, but can you what, what's the story that comes to mind when you try and think about you know, where you can point to where God 
answered prayer or got involved with with something that you experienced firsthand? Oh, boy, I am a storyteller. I don't know. The, the one that, that's most fresh is because uh, I do a fair amount of radio interviews when I'm coming into a town. I'll usually get on a Christian station, sometimes a, a secular station, just to announce the banquet, what I'm doing, give some exposure to the banquet. And this one disc jockey, a lot of disc jockeys are frustrated stand-ups. And he was trying to be funny, and he wasn't, and he was he was a little rude, and uh, he wasn't real excited about the interview. And uh, as I was sharing the joy that I have at May or may or not slip Jesus into the conversation. I'd like to do that, but he really said sarcastically. So, do you think what you do really makes a difference? I mean, you're just telling jokes. And I said, "Oh my goodness, I could tell you a story just just recent." Uh, a dear friend, I, I have worked part time, two three days a week at a school for kids with cerebral palsy, a place where my brother in law attended. Uh, my brother in law had Down syndrome and went to a school for kids with special needs. And uh, one of the teachers that I had known for 20 years, her husband died very suddenly. And I was at line in the funeral, a long line wrapped around the church. And I'm just there and, and I'm a heartbroken for, for this teacher. And uh, somebody yelled, there's comedian Gordon Douglas. And I think, oh my goodness, it's neat to have a celebrity sighting a little bit. <laughs> I, I like that but not at a funeral. And this lady came up and is hugging me and, and yelling, I can't believe it's you. I can't believe it's you. And I was like, and I was like please be quiet. My friend is up there crying. And uh, she's like, you don't understand. You don't understand. 13 years ago, do you remember doing a show to help a couple adopt a baby? And I said, oh, I sure do. East Goshen Baptist Church. I'll never forget that night because they wanted to raise $25,000. And I had never done an event where they wanted to raise that much money, which is a whole different subject. Why is adoption so expensive? That's a that's a whole different sermon. But I said, I, I didn't have a lot of faith, but I went in there and I shared some jokes. I shared what we do in our home. And I asked people, would you help this young couple raise the money so that they could have a baby? And uh, I said, I will never forget that night because when we counted the money, there was over $25,000. I said, I, 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 I still I still remember it. And she said, Gordon, I was that mother. And I, of course, I, I've done oh, wow. 2,000 shows since then. I didn't remember, and she's changed. And she said, look over there. And in the parking lot of the church was this Chinese boy wearing a letter jacket from America. And she said, he's in this country today because you told jokes 13 years ago. And I'm in tears, not because of the funeral. It was like, because sometimes when you're in ministry, you don't see a lot of fruit. As a pastor, uh, and you, you, you can preach for years and not see maybe someone come to the Lord. That's one of the reasons I love pregnancy centers. Every week, I get a prayer update from my director. Every week, these four girls came in. Uh, pray for these three girls who are abortion vulnerable. Pray for this particular. Every week, we're seeing a baby saved. Every week, there's something good happening. And I'm ADHD. Have you noticed? <laughs> I just, I, I love results. I love fruit. And uh, so that's just one. That's just, I mean, every week there was a miracle. But to see that boy with the Chinese features, but speaking perfect English, who would have been aborted because of the one child policy, uh, somehow, some way, uh, they were able to get this boy out. And uh, 
Uh, I, I, I'm still, it's goosebumps. I got goosebumps. I, 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 I hope I never get over it. People say, you've been doing this for 20 years. I mean, how do you stay so excited? How can you not be excited? You know, someone is alive today because we gave a gift. Someone's alive today because of what we do at these centers. And, and they saw your website or they saw something else. And of course, uh, the boys that we've taken in, uh, I stay in touch with, with most of them very regularly. And uh, one is a Marine. Uh, for, well, I should say, well, you're never an ex-Marine, but he's in his 40s. And uh, we talk regularly, but he, he shocked me the other day. He, he calls at least once a week, and he called and he said, uh, they, they call me different names. In the 90s, I was G-Dog, G-Diddy, Pastor G. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, his birth father is alive. So he, he everybody calls my wife mom, but they, they, they call me Pastor G or, or Pastor whatever. But he called up and he said, do you know when I knew you'd love me? That was his first not how's the Eagles and the Phillies or, you know, hey, how'd you, how was your trip? He started the question. He said, you know what? I knew you loved me. I said, wow, you, you've got my attention. Yeah. He said, you grounded me the week before I, I graduated high school. I said, grounded you? You're lucky I grounded you. I wanted to kill you. It's like he broke every rule. He figured he had one week to go and he was going to go out and do whatever he wanted. And he came walking in our house after being away for four days where we called police at hospitals. We had no clue where he was. I mean, he broke our heart. And uh, once I found out he was okay, I wanted to kill him, which is kind of like, uh, but you know what I'm saying? But he said, uh, I, I, I never had parents that cared where I went or what I did. I never knew that, that you would cry because I broke a rule. And he said, I, I've never forgotten that. And I, oh, goodness gracious, uh, I'm a comedian, but I'm becoming the crying comedian when I think about that, that, uh, yeah, yeah, what we do, what we do, and that includes what you do with the websites and connecting with folks. And uh, we are sharing a message of hope and uh, we are connecting with people in ways I can't even fathom with this internet thing. Yeah, good. We, we, we got the room together down at CareNet and you know, <laughs> because I ask you a hundred questions about computers because I'm old, I'm old. I do I joke, the only thing I know about computers is why they call that thing a cursor. It's like, I'm learning. Yeah, I was talking with uh, Dan Culp about his story of adoption. And it made me think, like when you're talking about, you know, helping someone adopt out of China, when they had the one child policy, I mean, there, I'm sure several adoption stories help them help them towards, you know, where they are today, which is, you know, adoption has been greatly uh, since that time. And so like, that's pretty amazing that you actually were helping someone adopt, you know, in that, you know, very difficult time under the, under those very strict policies. And, yeah. um, and so in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm wondering, like, I'm wondering if that policy, you know, if, yeah, that, that adoption along with others, you know, it, it probably had a big influence on future decisions there. And there's still a lot of room to grow, obviously. I and mean, China's a horrific place for abortion. But just with the with adoption growing, it's 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 amazing to see how they have, um, you know, there's been progress that's been made, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned my buddy, Dan Culp. We are very good friends. We have done a lot of programs together. He has preached at my church. I've got to speak at his church. And uh, for those listening, they may not know, but 
he, he adopted three children that are the most unadoptable children from overseas China and Russia. And uh, it's, it is his book of, of how that happened reads like a James Bond model, how they got in, how they got him out, the mistakes that were made. I mean, yeah. it's the old books I used to read in the 50s and 60s about smuggling Bibles in behind the Iron Curtain, uh, it, his life. And he's really funny as well. And, and he sings and he sings. I always said he was the lead singer in, our, oh, in a Christian yeah. rock band. And I was like, come on, Lord, spread the talent out a little bit. But uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's really good. So. Uh, what is something, my next question is, what is something that comes to mind that most pregnancy clinic directors may not know that you would like to share? Like, you know, what may only have 20% adoption by pregnancy clinic directors, but yet you would you would enjoy more people understanding or knowing? Or what do you think of when I say that question? Uh, like, what's something that might be unique? Sure, sure. Well, when, when I think about me, <laughs> well, I, I thought it was relating uh, to career. And if I'm on the wrong track, just let me know. But uh, a lot of directors, you know, almost all of them do a fundraising banquet. Uh, and many of them will not even consider a comedian because they don't think abortion is funny. And I, I hear that a lot. And I said, well, I'm not talking about abortion. Are you talking about abortion? I'm not coming to a banquet to talk about it. I'm, I'm coming to celebrate life. And uh, I've actually had to ask my agent to take the word comedian off of my profile and just say inspirational speaker or motivational speaker. But, but what they don't know is the Bible was still true, and God loves a cheerful giver, the hilarious giver. And, and if you look at the stats, if it's a fundraiser, shouldn't you hire somebody who's good at raising funds? And if you look at those who have been most successful, the comedians are right at the top of the list, including my buddy Mike Williams and Paul Aldrich and myself. We, we have a little, I don't know if you can see my badge, Laugh for Life team. I don't know if it's maybe reflecting <laughs> You know, we, yeah. so I want them to know it's okay to laugh and to celebrate, but, uh, you know, if I was marketing myself to, 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 uh, pregnancy center directors or those who put together the banquet, uh, I bring so much more to the table than just comedy. I share these stories of what's going on in our home. I share their story. Uh, I, I put on my pastor's hat and, uh, I, I, I know from my experience, people invest in two things. If you're at a banquet, they want to know what's working. Let's hear about the results. Because these are mostly business. The businessmen, the men write the bigger checks. Women write out of emotion and, and they'll support you, but the men write the bigger checks. So we have to know this is working. And uh, number two is they, they invest in vision. You know, with your help, here's what we're going to do. We want to go medical. We want to add a second center. We want to buy a mobile unit. Let's get excited about where this is going. And uh, the one I did last night, the night before in Minnesota, it was their 50th anniversary. And the founding couple was there. They're in their 80s. How neat to hear their stories of wow. starting in their kitchen and then getting a small room at a church and then finding a small storefront. And over the 50 years, uh, that that I love faithfulness. I need we need to honor those who have gone before us. But I'm the optimist. I've read the and I believe the best days are still ahead. And I'm all about growth and growing and reaching even more people. Um, so I'm not sure if that's what you were asking, what pregnancy centers need to know. Oh, that was exactly, yeah. I, I was actually, you know, if I, you know, I had some notes saying I wanted you to speak about, um, you know, the important, you know, the opportunity to bring a comedian to to do an event and how that has good fruit or benefit um, for an organization to receive. And and I, and I think you're right. A lot of 
many, many basic clinical directors probably don't fully understand that. And, but for those who do, who have experienced it, um, it makes a lot of sense that, yeah, that'd be something to share, that that's a really good opportunity to, to raise funds in a, in a joyful, um, yeah, because just as much as we have to mourn, we have as much to celebrate when it comes to lives being saved. Yeah. And so, and it is, the Bible says to mourn with those who are mourning and to rejoice with those who are full of, uh, who are rejoicing. And so I think, um, I think in the end, we all, we, you know, in the pro-life world, we experience both regularly. We experience mourning and we experience rejoice and we get to see pictures of babies and pictures of moms and new families. And there's a lot to be joyful about, and just as much as there is to be sad and mourning about. Really, I think there we we, we have plenty of both um, of both uh, spaces. I mean, as a testimony, I mean, uh, my website that you're doing and uh, what's on the ambassador website is the fact that uh, over seventy percent have me back the next year, and uh, I believe that's one of the top five highest repeat. Many there's many many good speakers wow. out there. Many stories of people who had abortions, survived abortions, performed abortions, and uh, they have one basic talk, and, and it's their story, which is great. But I, I have three different shows uh, for banquets, just for banquets, because the time is limited. And uh, the number one comment I get is, this was the most fun we've ever had at a banquet. Usually you go away sad or guilty, and if you don't give tonight, somebody's going to die. I celebrate, and I... and, and with that, I do some things other speakers don't do because I have the time. Uh, I love to come in a day early, and I just did this this past week out in Minnesota, and I got to speak at a Christian school, and it was supposed to be ninth grade and up because I talk about love, sex, and dating, and I want to get a message of abstinence and prevention and purity out there so they don't need the free pregnancy test. But the school got excited. They saw my videos, and they invited the whole school, so I had K through 12, which is a little hard to talk about love, sex, and dating with second graders. So I, I shifted it up a little bit and talked about my uh, more of my testimony and our kids and uh, decisions that we make and just touched a little bit. But I got to announce I'm here tonight be because tomorrow I'll be speaking at this group uh, for this pregnancy center because I want them to know there are folks out there who care. And uh, sadly, kids, even in, in sixth, seventh, eighth grade middle school, I'm hearing stories of the need to reach them with the message. They need to know where the pregnancy center is, sadly. Uh, so I get to do that. Tomorrow, I get to speak. Uh, where am I going tomorrow? I'm going to somewhere in Illinois, uh, Salem, Illinois. And uh, they put together a pastor's lunch. Because sadly, over half the pastors in America are not involved at all in the pro-life movement, which just boggles my mind. And the reasons for that are multitude, but... They're overwhelmed. They're not prepared. They're threatened. They do, they don't want to lose people, and uh, they they are somehow they they see the pregnancy center as competition when really it's a partner. They're going to do for the church what the church can is not equipped to do. But I try to get across to them yeah. if the statistics are real. It's somewhere between one out of three and one out of four women under forty have had an abortion, in the church and outside the church. So you look at a church with 30, 40 women, there's 10 victims that need counsel, need hope, need, need some outreach. And many times it's the deacon's wife or someone in the choir or the praise group or even the pastor's wife. And, and they're, 
most pastors are just so caught up with keeping their church going that, yeah, we, we spend so much time on a message uh, that, that we forget that we're, you know, we're supposed to be shepherds too. And I challenge them, you know, you know, we need healthy sheep and there's a lot of sheep out there that are hurting. And uh, so I, I bring that to the table. Not many speakers have that freedom in their schedule. And uh, a wonderful lady, her name is Sunny down in Louisiana. And uh, I told her what I do. And she had me come and do a pastor's breakfast at like seven o'clock. Then she took me to a Catholic church with about 400 students, 400 uh, Catholic school. And then from there, I went to the local public school, 1,300 students in a high school gym. And down south, you can talk about God, family, country, and you're not censored. And then she took me to a lunch where I spoke at a Rotary Club. And then uh, that night, I did the banquet. Because I what, uh, Use me. I don't want to sit in a hotel room. And as you can already tell, I never shut up. So it's like, <laughs> if, I, if I'm at a hotel, I'm on the phone. I'm, 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 the chap, yeah. I'm the chaplain of the CCA, the Christian Comedy Association. So the last two years, my ministry has been to oversee 400 bipolar depressed comedians that are all looking for work during a COVID crisis. So it's part of what I do every day. I call a comedian and I call a pastor just to encourage him because I think that's my gift. I like to encourage people. And uh, it's been hard. It's been hard for two years. I had zero bookings for two years, zero. And uh, But me and my kids, you know, we cut grass, we clean houses. You know, they have this habit. They want to eat every day. So if we do that, I got to go out and get some money. So, Yeah, you probably had several bookings. Uh, and then when probably March of 2020 came, they probably yep. started to evaporate and get knocked off. 30, now, 30 out of wow. 33 canceled. Yep, 30 out of 33 canceled right away. And then the other three eventually, they tried and tried and eventually, you know, we tried doing it virtually, but comedy by Zoom is not fun. <laughs> It's it's all a different challenge, but but I did stay busy during. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, you were talking about being a pastor and the connection between crazy clinics and churches, um, and, and one of the, yeah, when it comes to that, that it would just be beautiful if more pastors would see how crazy clinics are a way to reach, you know, part of that mission, which is to help single moms, you know, part of that charter or that you know that mission of a of a of a church of helping single moms um you know helping helping um you know those who have broken families like it's such a beautiful way to connect with those who need help and healing um it just seems like a brilliant way for pastors to yeah essentially full you know better reach the mission that they have been given you know and the, the needs are huge but Again, my, my church is small by many standards. We will have 30 on a good Sunday because we're kind of an inner city church in a, in a tougher area. But uh, we have one of those giant three-foot baby bottles, and uh, that's right up on the side, you know, as people come in and out. And, uh, yeah, we regularly well, nice. we regularly uh, empty. That's my job. I, I take the money, and every month I get to give anywhere from 30 to $70 to our pregnancy center and you know, I guess our folks would go to our banquet as well when we go to the walk. Uh, we have a walk every fall where we uh, do that and get sponsors. But yeah, it's 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 a an expansion of your ministry, not a threat. And uh, but again, sadly, many pastors have whatever their schools that they don't know. They uh, I, I would I wish I could make every pastor read Randy Alcorn's book Why Pro Life because we hear about I mean every political commercial. I'm so sick of them right now. 
in Pennsylvania, it's a big issue, but you know, this guy's extreme. He believes in, in, in uh, abortion is murder, even in the cases of, and they go through all this stuff, but they don't understand what abortion is. They forget the science. Uh, they don't know out, out of the hundred abortions that are done every day, or, give or take in Pennsylvania, how many of those are rape or incest? I mean, how many, what are we doing? And uh, Randy Alcorn's book kind of outlines the top 10 questions that, uh, and gives reasonable answers, but people never get beyond the rhetoric and the emotion. And they just, I know somebody and I know somebody, but uh, the more you investigate it all, the opposition that I don't even want to mention their name and the government funding and the stuff that's done and the testimonies of those who used to work there. Uh, it, it's not just bad, it's evil. It's absolutely evil what goes on. And yet many of my high school friends and others on my Facebook site, uh, they're nice people and they really think they're helping. They, they, it seems like they're genuine, but the further you look into it, they, they, they never ask the tougher questions. I mean, even though I want to scream when I hear these political ads, it's like, what, a, what about the extreme when the baby is born and, and, and it survives abortion? That one. Well, they, they've never even heard of such a thing. They hold up their coat hangers, but they don't know how rare coat hangers were in the 60s. And, and that, that more, more women die in safe and legal abortions than they did during the coat hanger days. It's, you know, let's look at the facts. And, uh, but again, people are emotional and they're blinded. And uh, so I try to be a voice of, uh, of reason. And I hope the comedy gives me a and what we've done in our home gives me a little bit of a platform where I can share some more of the truths. And ultimately, if you really care for the woman, if you really care, then let's do what's best for her and the baby. And I have said it for years that I want to make abortion unthinkable, not just illegal. And I am thrilled and overwhelmed. I didn't know I would see it in my lifetime. I didn't know. Uh, but I, I, I have to tell yeah. people now, it's just step one of a hundred steps. Yeah, we... It's a big, big step. It's a big, big step. And I think as a pastor, before God, as a country, there are such implications of changing that law. But on a practical level, I know in our area, in our, hey, we're seeing more work in our pregnancy center. And the word is there's more abortions now after Roe v. Wade because of the law, because of the state fights, because of this little pill you can get in the mail. Hey, there's still a lot of work to be done. But that, that ruling is still huge. And now if the church would wake up and God would revive some hearts, uh, I want to see this tsunami of revival sweep this country. That's my, that's my passion. Wow. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I, I thought Roe versus Wade would get overturned. I just didn't think I would be alive to see it. I thought my children would get to see it. I didn't, it, it happened so much quicker than I would have. I, I didn't, I couldn't imagine it happening as quickly as it did. Um, it, it was, you know, I, I thought, the, you know, trying to get more justices on the Supreme Court that would look at it with, yeah, with uh, just an amazing, you know, essentially getting people to look at it fairly. I, I just, I thought it was going to take a long yeah. time and I, and I just didn't see how it was going to get there. But at the same time, I felt like we, yeah, we, it's still worthwhile to keep, you know, pushing and fighting and working to the result that it would come. But it just, I didn't think it would, it would come this quickly. It, it, it was just, it's amazing. Um, and, and I think you're, you're, you're you're helping build that culture of life by by you know by using positive ideas and humor and creative jokes. I mean that that is contributing towards a a culture of life 
um, you know, when it comes to just being kind to one another and part of being kind, I think is to laugh with somebody and to enjoy, enjoy a time. I think that it reflects, you know, movement in that direction. Yeah. I, I was asked the other day by a newscaster, I happened to run into the airport, one of the main uh, anchors in Philadelphia news. And, uh, I went over and introduced myself. So he said, what's your stick? What's your stick? <laughs> I said, well, if there's a theme for my comedy, it's, uh, Nobody ever told me. You know, Rodney Dangerfield was the guy that never got any respect. Jack Benny from my era was the cheap guy. But uh, in me, it was uh, nobody ever told me. I wish I knew about dating. I wish I knew about marriage. I wish I knew about diapers. Whatever it is, that's what leads to the comedy. So all the humor is pointed at me, but it's around some important subjects. And, uh, it, and that is what my book is about. I've just got to say, I just look around here. I know our time's getting really short. But uh, you know, I wrote a book during COVID, yeah. Growth Spurts and Growing Pains, and at the bottom, Things I Wish I Knew. That's nobody ever told me. And, and I think the more people know, the better it is. And the humor is like, hey, I've made mistakes. My title is Growth Spurts and Growing Pains, The Struggles of a Skinny Stud Muffet. So it's a, it's a comedy biography, but there are growth spurts. There are things that I did in my life that just helped me grow, get closer to God, brought love, joy, and peace to my life, helped turn things around. And then sadly, I've made a lot of mistakes. And uh, that's the phrase growing pains. There are things I've done that have hurt me or hurt others that I want my kids to avoid. And there's a lot of warnings in my book as well as in scripture you know, about all kinds of subjects. And uh, it, you know, it's just, that's it. That's that's where it is. So there, there's things that I wish I do. And uh I, yeah, my wife and I, we still look back. We just celebrated our 43rd anniversary and we had no idea, you know, when, when uh, a week or two before we said, I do, uh, and exchanged our rings and vows, we were told we couldn't have kids. I was devastated. And, uh, because I, I always, God did something amazing for me because I was the angry hurting kid. I used comedy to cover my pain. And, uh, there's a lot about that in my book. And I share a little bit of that when I'm at the, uh, uh, at the banquets, because uh, there is a, a quote that I use often. It's in, it's in Randy Alcorn's book. In my book, it's on page 76 on the right side, three lines down. I have that kind of mind. I just remember that. I don't know my kids' names, but I, but it said 83, uh, this, it was a specific study, but 83% of the women who had abortions said they would have kept their babies, chosen life, if, and I was paused. If what? And the rest of the quote is, if one person would have given them hope. And, and, and the stats that he goes on after that, how many are pressured in the decision, misinformed, rushed uh, by family, by parents, by boyfriends? Uh, it, it's not a, a simple, easy choice. And uh, those who have made it, they, many, many, the, the, the ones that I see every week have, have many regrets. And uh, so it's all about giving hope, but that's really what we're trying to do is get that message of hope out there. And uh, now I know the government's making it harder in our state. You know, there's stuff you have to put on websites now and you have to have words and you have to do this. And, you, and uh, for all these people who say they're pro-choice, why are they trying to shut down? They're literally trying to shut down our pregnancy clinic. And it's like, where's the choice in that? Where's, and uh, oh God, it, it, it is frustrating. But uh, I go back, uh, Again, you're so young. Bob Hope, did you know Bob Hope? Do you know who Bob Hope is? The comedian? I do, yep. 
because many people don't know, but you may not know that for 41 straight years, he went overseas to entertain the troops at Christmas for 41 straight years. And I, I've read his biography. Wow. Uh, his biography is titled, Don't Shoot, It's Only Me. It's a great title, but it it it, it goes through his, because he was under gunfire. He was jeeped through minefields. He was taking... He wouldn't just do a nice show on a big battleship in a nice site. He went right out there with people. And uh, uh, I actually wrote him a letter back in the 70s, and I got a six-page letter back uh, from NBC Studios. Uh, so he's a hero. Uh, my style of comedy is different, but uh, I kind of consider myself the Bob Hope to the troops in the pregnancy battle. I want to encourage him. I want to give him a little R&R. &R. I want to get them ready to go back out there and fight the good fight and hopefully— share some information that because I get to pick from different places. Hey, do you know what they did here? Oh, do you know what they did there? Oh, I got a great idea because I learned at Heartbeat and Karenet and uh, you're coming up on Alliance for Life. I, I had the honor of being the uh, keynote speaker there last year. And uh, I did a workshop. And what a what a great event that was out, out in the Ozarks. Ozarks by the lakes, beautiful setting. And, uh, but you learn, you learn everywhere you go. And, uh, and that's, you know, I'm like a little bee spreading some pollen and hey, let's share these teachings because like pastors of a small church, when you go to these conferences, it is so invigorating to be around 500 to a thousand people because, oh, I thought I was the only one, but I was the only one in this battle. I was the only one struggling. I was the only one who was only open three days a week and, you know, and Satan just lies. Uh, so I love to share that. And I do that with my newsletter as well. My little highlights just to keep people going. And uh, can you tell I love what I do? It's like, that's fun. It is. Oh, I definitely tell you love what you do. Um, would you, would you share, I, I, I was going to ask you to share some encouraging words. Then you went, you went into this beautiful story of encouragement. And so I, I sort of feel like, boy, I just feel like you really said a lot that people are really going to enjoy. And this is, I'm just excited to be able to share this with executive directors. And I, and, and honestly, I guess if there's one thing I could say, uh, I, I think you mentioned before that you've been to many states across the U.S. 41. And I think the one state you, you want, 41. Okay. Well, I know, I think one of those uh, nine that you haven't been to yet is Hawaii. So I'm hoping that, yeah, Pearson Place will bring you to Hawaii for an event. I'm hope I asked them if they would. So let's see if that helps. Because I know you wanted to go to Hawaii as part of one of your future events. And I think that'd be yeah. great. Yeah, and I got a couple leads in Alaska. Uh, I've been to Alaska yeah. and I uh, got a couple leads up there right now. So oh, okay. I'm trying to put together a few because it's so far to fly. I don't want to go for, I should say, I don't want to go for just one. But if I'm there, let's put together three or four. There's a lot of centers in Alaska. We don't even think about that. Yeah, we work. I think we work with one, and I think there's probably about three, or maybe more than three. But uh, yeah, for such a large mass of land, there's not, there's not, it's not a lot there, but there's a couple in there. <laughs> um, and uh, but anyways, I guess would you mind um, maybe just uh, praying, you know, ch trying to you know pray for the pregnancy clinics and their and the directors is, and just imagine that they're on their daily commute. And they're listening to this and they might join us in prayer. And I, I would just like to, you know, help them be encouraged and to, um, yeah, for God to, yeah, for for God to encourage them and bless them. And would you maybe yeah, wrap up our podcast with a, an encouraging prayer toward, you know, for, towards the work that they do of 
uh, essentially helping be that one person who is talking to an abortion vulnerable client and helping her make that that change and you know helping her choose life and by being that person i would i think that would be brilliant for us to wrap up with that kind of mindset yeah if there's any secret to my success i have a prayer team of 32 people and in every event that i do i send out their goal and the name of the center and uh boy it's great to be covered in and i i'm the the area coordinator for the national day of prayer so i love prayer so let's do it father in heaven thank you thank you thank you you are the god of life you're the God who gives joy. You said at the birth of your son, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. So for these weary workers in the pregnancy center, for those who feel like quitting, for those who feel, and they are outmanned, outfunded, out, out strategized in some ways, Lord, we come to you for wisdom. Pour out your wisdom along with your joy for these centers. May they see some fruit even this week. May they connect with new ideas, fresh ideas on how to get word out supernaturally i pray your angels would be about them as they travel and uh, uh, around their centers as my friends would say the north south east west above and below i pray your angels would be stationed during this time when many are being threatened and vandalized that you would supernaturally intervene and through what jacob does in these websites oh lord i pray your word would get out creatively that you by your spirit would draw women across these websites and they would call the numbers that they would arrange visits that they would come and see there are choices besides abortion, that they would receive hope and encouragement and and information about their lives, their baby, their future, the consequences of decisions. And Lord, that through this, that many, many more would be saved. Uh, it's so, I say it so often, I don't want it to be cliche, but Lord, you took a couple of loaves and fishes and touched multitudes. So these few minutes that we spent together, take them and use them and get this word out in ways that we can't even fathom, exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask, think, or even imagine. For your glory, Lord, we pray. We ask it in the name above every name, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sponsor for this episode is Patriot Insurance. Running a pregnancy center can sometimes feel like a whirlwind, but you shouldn't feel alone. Patriot Insurance has been helping the pro-life community since 1989. They have your back, so you can focus on what matters most, saving the lives of babies and mothers. Supporting our sponsors like Patriot Insurance supports the Pro-Life Team podcast. Thank you. Shepherd, I shall not be in want. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green.